Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Hello everyone, welcome to this podcast from the ITAM Review. My name is AJ Witt and we're doing this podcast today in conjunction with Snow and I'm joined today by Becky Trevino from Snow. Becky is Executive Vice President of products at Snow. Hi, Becky. Hey, AJ. Everyone at ITEM Review. So excited to be here with you. Great. Thanks to have Thanks for, for coming along and uh, and sharing your expertise here. So, what we're going to be talking about today is some practical approaches to cost optimization. Now, we we think that this is a a vital um, area of ITEM going forward. So it's something that, in many ways, perhaps we are quite comfortable with optimizing costs, but it's going to be um, a C-suite priority for the coming year, two years probably, um, at least. And I think where we probably need to start with this is this is perhaps kind of new territory in some ways for um, for many people in the workforce. Um, uh, full disclosure, I'm over 50. I remember I've been, this is what my third or fourth recession. So kind of, I've kind of been there, I've seen it. Um, but we have been in a historic period of quite stable growth. Um, and that's having had a number of impacts on what we do as businesses. So for the past 15, 20 years or so, money has been cheap. It's been really easy and uh, low cost to borrow. Um, it's Inflation has been low as well, uh, which means that price rises are of the order of maybe two, three, four, five percent a year. And and those are things that I think that in in uh, negotiations, in renewal negotiations for software in particular, those are things that you can negotiate on. Um, if we think to, for example, Oracle's um, standard contract terms are that prices will, will go up by the global rate of inflation. And we've looked at that and thought, well, OK, we need to pay attention to that and maybe we'll do a three year deal. But we haven't really considered, well, what is that? What happens? If it's suddenly 10% or 15%, that has a much bigger impact on budgets because you just don't have slack in budgets to absorb these things. So the threat is very much real from costs beginning to rise. Just this week, IBM have announced that they're going to raise prices by around about 24% worldwide, up by a quarter. Um, that's going to blow budgets. Un undoubtedly, we, we, that is not a shock that we were being prepared for at all uh, when we were setting our budgets perhaps um, two or three months ago for the next financial year and the year after that. Microsoft are harmonizing um, prices worldwide as well. And harmonization typically means prices are going up in, in, in certain regions. So we have to pay attention to that. Microsoft is taking a slightly different approach where they're, they're looking at local market conditions. And that's kind of how they've always done it, I think. Um, but they're still going to go up. And we had a price rise for um, Office 365 back at the start of 2022 as well. One of the things that is also causing problems for us as, as employees of our businesses is that we're in a bit of a low growth phase at the moment. We've kind of overshot from the COVID um, uh, period where actually we had quite a bit of growth um sort of end of 2021 start of 2022 
things were going quite well. People also brought forward expenditure during COVID. If we think back to Satya Nadella saying digital transformation happened in months rather than years during during the pandemic because we had to um, we had to innovate really quickly to keep working. And all these things are really coming together that are just sort of driving prices up across the board. So they're driving up prices for um, software vendors and also hardware vendors as well, because energy prices are going up around the world. The high interest rates means it's 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 more expensive to borrow to invest in 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 those in those production lines and, and new products and so on. And all that's got to be paid for somewhere, right? So so where's it being paid for? Well, it's being passed on to us as the consumer. Um, and this is really what we're trying to address today. So, um, I mean, Becky, did you have anything to add around this? Any any insights that you're seeing uh, perhaps in the US? And You did such a great summary of that, AJ, is it's the perfect storm. Hmm. It's growth coming out of the pandemic where people have bought a lot. There's rising prices and there's lower demand. And yep. so for us in IT asset management, it's this need to focus on, on quite a few areas, in particular cost optimization. And I think that's the big one. For me, I expected this focus of cost optimization was going to come in around late 2020, mm. early 2021, but we didn't see that. We saw this push to spend more as interest rates remained low, as there was this great resignation coming in. There was just, it just felt like there was going to be this unending growth period that 2022, if you think about even the first six months of the year, it felt like it was roaring. Everything on LinkedIn, you'd see somebody got a new job. It just felt like things were abundant. And then yep. slowly you started to see a trickle down. And then this almost cold spell went through. And to me now we're facing this, this view where you're seeing organizations tighten their belt, particularly in technology. You're hearing Amazon layoffs, you're hearing Salesforce, a lot of these large companies that had mm. tons of, of momentum during the pandemic. And if we don't have a really good holiday season, I think we're going to start seeing that trickle into other areas. Now, my hope is that we do see a good holiday season, that we just feel that in technology. But I think for us in IT asset management, we just have to be aware that these market conditions are new and it's going to have to force us to look at our strategy into 2023, adjust our roadmaps or charters accordingly, and yep. to potentially evangelize to our organization, hey, we need to get in front of cost optimization rather than react to it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. This is a new um, environment for us to to start thinking about how we work as ITAM teams and yeah, I, I, I mean, I've certainly already seen it. I've, I've heard reports of, you know, literally every single laptop being signed off, new purchase being signed off at a very high level in organisations, and just people not spending money at all. And so, there's a, there's a, there is that focus on cost optimization and cost control. So, so, how do we go about doing it? What are some of the things that um, uh, are potentially getting in the way of um, ITAM teams from really addressing this, um, this, this, this problem? For me, it often comes down, AJ, to just organizational silos. Mm. You, uh, particularly if you're a larger IT asset management organization, what I hear from customers is, well, that's owned by that department over there or that's owned by this or they're taking care of it, not us. So I think really... Uh, 
having that end to end view of, of cost and technology mm-hmm. is, is really important for IT asset management. So I think that burdens us from being able to see all of the opportunities because oftentimes we look at it and say, well, I'm only responsible for IBM, Oracle, SAP, Microsoft, that AWS spend or that Salesforce, that goes, that that's some other department, that's not me. So that steps us away from being able to have a holistic view of cost optimization because sometimes some of those big four publishers, IBM, Microsoft, are really hard to get that initial cost savings versus some of the SaaS technology or clouds are easier. So I think that organizational silos step us in, but I think the other one is really uh, the key relationships, the organizational alignment where you have a CIO or a CEO that's really mandating, hey, we need to break down the organizational silos to really look at our costs in an effective way. Because when I talk to customers and we have a large uh, Fortune 500 customer that's a, that, that works with Snow, they actually had their CIO mandate that throughout the organization. And that's forced the breakdown of those silos. So I think two things blocking is organizational silos and that mm-hmm. lack of C-level or high SVP, VP leadership really calling for those organizational silos to be broken down. Yeah, I, I think what we probably had in this kind of um, real focus on this rush for innovation that we had in 2020, 2021, we had all this digital transformation going on. And there was a there was a bit of a feeling that I know we were talking about in the ITAM review of kind of letting departments have more control over their IT um, letting them make their decisions. Um, and perhaps we went, we overshot a little bit there as well. And um, suddenly we're going to come back to there, there needing to be more central control uh, in terms of not central control, central oversight of, of how much we're spending, what's it being used for, what's the business service that technology is supporting, what's the value it's, it's driving for, for our bottom line. Um, and so you have this need to sort of balance the service against the price and the value um, that, that's coming out of all of these technology investments we've made um, both recently and, and longer term investments in say our, our, our ERP systems or, or, or whatever. So yeah, having, I mean, I, I suppose on, on sort of, uh, you know, really kind of thinking about how do we get into those silos what do we need? I, I mean, it was said, to, it was suggested to me that probably what we need to do is use our tools um, to really build great trustworthy data about our entire estate, regardless of who's managing it. I think that's a key, key one for us in IT asset management is those silos are going to exist. Hmm. It's a key operational challenge for us, whether that, that silo drives shadow IT, even knowing where to focus. But a big one for us is, is really trying to showcase where we add value as an organization to really drive down that organizational silo. Because here's a reality is while we talk about control and and we gave it away to some degree during the pandemic, the genie's out of the bottle and Mm -hmm. users now have it easier than ever before to be able to buy technology and to do it without IT, finance, or any of the typical technology guardians that care about what an organization is consuming ever knowing about. And so for us, I think we have to think about, and we've been talking, you, you have the ITM review, you've been talking about this for quite a, a while, is there's just the next generation thinking about IT asset management that balances the need to protect an organization from audits with a focus on cost optimization, but also a greater partnership with security on things like shadow IT 
And I think with that comes in is knowing where to focus your efforts as an organization is really, as you said, having that trustworthy data that you can then provide to other parts in the business to say, look, I don't, I understand you own SaaS applications, marketing department or sales department who, who likely manages Salesforce. I don't do that. But here's some data about your usage that you may find helpful. I find that you have uh, 200 licenses, but when I look at the usage in my SAM tool, I find that only about 50% of those are actively being used. Is that a problem for you? Mm. And particularly for organizations that are facing potential headcount freezes, reduction of, of workforces, they have to find a way to save money. And wouldn't it be great to be able to save money on unused technology versus yep. people? And also one of the key tenants of audit defense for a lot of organizations is that I hear is I'm, I'm not going to, that's not a risk for me because I purchased too much. I'm mm -hmm. way oversubscribed on Oracle. I'm never going to face the Oracle auditor. Well, if you're, well, if you know what you started the conversation with comes to fruition, where you're now seeing double or triple digit price increases that you can't budget for, pretty soon you're going to see organizations tighten that renewal. Then is that going to create a risk factor for you and needing to actually really understand your compliance position against some of these auditors once you actually start getting closer and no longer just overbuy to avoid the risk? Yeah, I, and those audits are likely to come to the fore again. We certainly saw that um, in 2009, 2010, in the last sort of big recession. Um, revenue started to fall um, for, for, for the vendors. They're all typically public companies, and so they've got shareholders to keep happy. And uh, falling revenue is, is, is always a red flag. Um, and so they'll they'll try and do anything to shore up that revenue. I'm sure, for example, that you know IBM's price increases um, go live in January. I'm sure they're hoping for a really great December to finish their their 2022. You know, the, the, the people will, if they've got the money, can bring forward purchases to to really close out 22 for for IBM to meet their investor uh, expectations. But I want to move on from that a little bit and also talk about uh, this idea of. Uh, you mentioned talking to departments about about their usage and and so on. Sam and ITAM now is very much an enabling um, function. It enables digital transformation. It's it, it, it rather than the, rather than a control function as such. It's more to do with helping the company move forward, understand their technology costs, and and, and I mean you mentioned as well avoiding layoffs. I would imagine. Um, we're spending more than ever per employee on technology because of SaaS and so on. And um, so there is very, there's a very clear kind of that's part of your fixed costs um, of having an employee. You're paying, you know, you're paying their wages, their benefits, uh, pension, and so on. But also you're paying for that technology, and, and that's a per employee cost now rather than a an across the board infrastructure cost. So so being able to focus on SaaS, for example um it really does kind of drive down your average cost of employee um that sort of thing it does and and i think to me the concerning part i was at iitm in, in las vegas and mm. i still hear from software asset manager its managers because i i give a talk on on you know building an itam roadmap and building your programs around 
uh, SaaS and cloud. And, we, and we've been evangelizing, look, we need to push towards SaaS and cloud for years now. But we still have a number of IT asset managers, software asset managers, that it's just not part of their remit. Hmm. And my, my argument for them was, look, you may never get a manager that's going to tell you that, but you, to elevate your career, you need to start raising your hand and saying, look, this is a problem for us and quantifying that for the organization and then taking command for ownership of it. And I think it's critical because there are going to be some organizations that don't really push their employees to do that. And to me, to some degree, that's a detriment to your career because you're at this stage where we know that a lot more of the spend is moving towards SaaS technologies. And we may see if there's large double-digit price increases across some of these big vendors that are on-premises, we might see organizations think twice about, well, should I replace this with something else? And is now the time to do that as a mechanism for cost savings? And the more of our technology that moves to SaaS and cloud, well, that's the less that we own as an IT asset management and software asset management function. So I actually think that while we're in this period of turmoil and cost optimization, if you're out there, if you're one of the listeners are saying, actually, I don't actively manage that area, it could be the right year for you to actually elevate your career and take advantage of this chaos and market to start expanding the remit of your program and saying, look, because there's all of this unnecessary spend in SaaS that we likely incurred, that's upping our cost per employee, let's do something about that. And let us be the department that's actually going out here and taking care of it. So we could really turn this into a massive play to elevate IT asset management within the organization and see it as, as this opportunity that was for many of us in 2008. And it's almost our moment to shine right now by, bring, by being able to help bring cost optimization to the organization while also expanding our remit. Yeah, it, it is absolutely a fantastic opportunity. Uh, one of the facts of being an ITAM is that we kind of do okay in recessions um, because there is this focus on, on cost in particular. I would imagine for most organizations next year, it will be the number one objective um, will be, and, and perhaps everyone in the, in the organization will end up with a cost management objective that know how can they save money? And that might be th things as simple as um, traveling less or um, using less stationary or um, you know, very, very obvious things in a way perhaps, but we can do it um, in in ITAM because we've got all the data there. We we can see this stuff. I I would doubt very much that you would get in any trouble or even get even close to being fired for offering ways to save your company money next year. So if you're not doing it, um, now's the time because your senior leaders are going to be sat there looking at spreadsheets, wondering how they're going to get through next year in terms of their budgets. Um, so, and, and you are, you are that savior effectively in, you know, there, there are things you can do to, to help. So, and we should, and on that subject, we should probably get on to um, some strategies really for, for, for moving forward with this. How, how can we go about sort of setting up a cost management program, taking ownership um, and, you know, delivering some, some cost savings and really kind of building momentum? I think it's, it always depends on where you are as an organization, do I like to, to say. It's like, what's important to your leadership? 
in terms of this, which is, look, if you have uh, an effective mandate that's always that's already in place and goals, always complete those first or have a conversation with your manager about, look, I have these three other ideas that should take precedence over whatever else you've told me previously. I always advise people, don't just listen to us <laughs> in these podcasts and, and forget what you had in place. Like, you know, have a conversation with your leadership. But I think a, a good area to start for a lot of organizations is going to be taking a feel around renewal management. You know, yeah. what are those top vendors that are up for renewal this year that cost you a lot of money? And as you said, data is really important because IT asset managers tend to have a tool in place that can give them some insights on uh, that usage. Yeah. And whoever walks into that renewal with data is going to come in on top. But you also have to understand that when that renewal, a lot of vendors don't actually want you to pay less. So you either have to walk in with the mindset of, I really am going to pay less and I need about a 20% cut from you and be focused with that vendor and how you're going to get it, but also be uh, able to really deal with the comebacks you're going to get from them, which is I'm getting this other technology for free, et cetera, and, and really understand, do I need that technology? Because what we yeah. find is there's a lot of vendors that throw in a lot of stuff to sweeten the deal, but then that usage, usage comes down to zero. And if, they, and if a vendor's used that tactic before, then that's another one to use your usage data to understand, hey, well, actually you did that tactic with us last year, but zero people have used this. We don't need it. Help me. So really understanding what you're looking for and really getting on top in a proactive way around those renewals, I think it's going to be a very effective way to be able to uh, talk through uh, what savings you can get. Yeah. I, and and be, being on top and being proactive is really important because if you are going to try and cut costs with um, a vendor, now they, they might be a strategic, strategic partner of yours. They might just be a transactional vendor they may be just someone doesn't really matter but the earlier you can start having those conversations with that vendor that you're looking to reduce usage the more likely you are to get what you want because if you come along to um a salesperson who's got a monthly monthly target and says hey we know we, we want to take 20 percent off um that's going to create a problem if you can prepare them I would I would imagine if you can give them three months notice, six months notice, they've got quarterly plans, they've got they've got half yearly plans, they can they can they've got time to talk to their internal stakeholders to work out a way to to smooth that for for, for both parties, right? I think it's it's very important to have that to know what's coming up six months down the line, because also this is technology we're talking about you can't just suddenly decide that you're not going to use something because it's too expensive you you you, you need to have a think about well what, what are we replacing it with do we need it you need all you need all, the, all that data and insight to really um make an informed decision and go into that conversation for that renewal as you said becky with armed with data but also with a plan to to think about well where are we going in in two years with this product that sort of thing I like the plan or I call it like a roadmap, like where are we, where do we want to head? What are the, the changes we want to make in our program? And that's important is particularly we're in this planning cycle. I always think of like it's end of the year. There's something magical about a new year. Nothing really changes. It goes from December 31st to January 1st, which is the equivalent of November 25th to November 26th. But as people, for whatever reason, it's cathartic where we just think it's a new year, it's fresh. And so with that mindset, it just is, is a really good 
time of the year, if you're not feeling this pressure from your organization around cost optimization, to get ahead of it. Because as you said, it's actually very humane of you to really think about what's the pressure you're putting on your salesperson. Hmm. Because if that person's expected to bring in $100,000 and we're springing on them a month before that expectation that we're only going to want to renew at $20,000, that's a big gap that that person wasn't expecting to do, which puts them in a really uncomfortable position where now they're trying to hawk a bunch of stuff at you and you move from a partnership with your vendor to almost that person's looking out for, well, how is this going to impact my livelihood? So if you're able to give, as you said, people six months and kind of plan it out and start using this Q4 to plan out your own, like, hey, these are the upcoming, in the next 18 months, these are the renewals I've had a conversation with. And maybe you didn't get ahead and you are like, look, I'm looking at these in January. It might be the right time to start sending some messages now to your salesperson that says, look, our renewals at the end of January, we're having some tight cost constraints here. Uh, just giving you a heads up, even if you don't have everything in the right place, just as you said, just giving people the heads up, at least alerts people yeah. to come to you with some potentially better pricing, but yeah. also that is saying, look, you're setting the expectation. Don't expect that you get that renewal plus the one to 3% uptake. There's some changes that we need to have happen in our organization. And that's important to give that forecasting. Yeah. Yeah. And and the big vendors that we're typically dealing with, they're going to have strategies set up ready for this already. They'll, they'll be expecting this coming in 23 and beyond that we will be looking to kind of um, cut costs. So it won't be a surprise to them. Um, and it may not necessarily be something that you as the ITAM manager or team are actually getting involved in negotiations, but what you're doing is providing this really great data to your procurement team or whoever to say, look, we're, we're, we are using this much, this is how much we use, this is how much is sat on the shelf doing nothing. Um, you know, we don't want to pay for things we're not using. Um, and th- that, that data is really the really the key to any negotiation. Um, it, it, if you know where you're coming from, then you you kind of know where you want to get to. Yeah, that data is critical because frankly, whoever walks into, and that same thing goes for compliance conversation, whoever walks mm-hmm. into the discussion with the best data walks out with the best outcome. And the key here is just preparation, is really thinking about what's going to be your strategy around cost optimization. And a lot of the ways that I think about it is working backwards. What is the organization looking? And for some IT asset managers, there's no guidance there. So then you may choose to say, look, I'm going to choose a number. And I often say, go at 10%. You know, it's a nice round number. People like it, you know, go five, 10, 15, nice numbers. If if no one's giving you guidance, just choose one and say, look, I'm going to try to, I'm going to look, I'm going to seek 10%. 10%. If you think there's 15, go for 10, always over deliver. You know, I'm going to go for 10% uh, savings in the organization. And here's going to be my plan. I, I see that there are uh, eight major renewals that, that I, I've had a good conversation with procurement last week. There's eight renewals coming up for us. And I have, I'm established a partnership with procurement, how we're going to work together to uh, dr- potentially look at driving some savings across these eight vendors. We don't know yet. We're, we're forecasting this department. So if you can drive the alliance with procurement, 
potentially even before you meet with finance. Because then once finance comes in, they're starting to forecast those savings and you've committed and you got to make it happen. But if you could have a good conversation with your procurement counterpart, which hopefully you already have a relationship with, and if you don't, then maybe now is the right time to build that about, hey, how can we work together to meet each other's goals? For you, your goal is really being able to create the best outcome for the for the organization from a procurement perspective around renewals. And for me in IT asset management is to make sure that the organization is paying for what we use and that we're driving value from the tooling that we're, we're putting in. And, and I'm really ensuring that I share that data cross-functionally with you. That's a positive outcome for me. And if we can sit there and create a mutual benefit then I think we can be engaged with those discussions, really partner up with procurement across those renewals. But there's another important area where we can support, and that's really around shadow IT and shadow SaaS and other areas, because there is a lot being purchased in the organization that IT, ITAM, procurement, finance, all the typical guardians of people who care about the governance and cost of technology simply just do not know about. And that's another critical area where you can drive cost optimization because you don't always have a procurement team that's looking at uh, you know, low cost solutions. On average, Snow, when we sit there and come in and someone uses our SaaS product, people are finding hundreds of unknown applications, which either are costing you from a risk perspective or somebody's paying with that with some, you know, $15 there, you know, $200 here that people may not need to use. And you could be A, helping the security team, B, driving a cost optimization effort all in one by just getting a feel for those small applications that really may not need to be used in your organization. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great point. This kind of tail spend that we we kind of never really focused on um in in the perpetual software world you know we kind of did the 80 20 thing and and focused on the big four or the big five or the big 10 vendors because it wasn't worth managing all those uh vendors down, down the other end of the scale um I, I think one of the great things about modern tooling is that um you can actually spend time managing all those small vendors now because there's a lot of automation available isn't there and and you can really kind of you, you can get the data at your fingertips so it's not like a it, it's 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 much easier to get that data so you can make a quick decision about something that's maybe a, only you know a handful of users and a few thousand dollars yep and, and it also applies it's a great added value because there's going to be some organizations that are really focused on cost optimization and, and some aren't, but every organization, you know, the top priority for CIOs remains security. Yeah. And so there's there's two areas for ITAM to elevate itself in 23. It's really strengthening that area, that partnership with security, how you actually can help. And that's difficult for a lot of teams, but if you can marry that with a cost optimization effort, which really feels a little bit more in line to ITAM's wheelhouse and say, look, I can accomplish, I can kill two birds with one stone. I can help yeah. address this long tail from technology vendors that we typically don't pay attention to on an average year. And I can help us rein in some of that shadow SaaS, which people feel like they have a good sense on. And Snow recently ran a survey on that. Organ people feel like they do, but then they're also concerned about the fact that they're not getting enough visibility around some of those 
tools that are purchased without their knowledge. I think we can, if we can marry those two together in 23, you're going to really see a strong ITAM program in place from the teams that really choose to embrace both of those concepts. It's it's a great point because SaaS that 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 long tail of SaaS that, and that shadow shadow SaaS in particular hasn't gone through your your normal onboarding and governance process does present a great risk. The reason it presents a, primarily presents a great risk is because you're using other folks' computers to store your data uh, and process your data. So um, you know uh, data processing, data privacy is not just an EU um uh thing these days it's it's worldwide um and you need to pay attention to this stuff much more so than, than you did if you were if you had a, an application that was on-prem that was a few users that kind of no one really paying attention to you need to pay attention to a shadow it that's just bypassing your your governance processes um i wanted to uh, obviously we're talking about uh reducing costs and talking to vendors and and maybe giving them bad news i wonder what we can do to um head off any problems around audits i, I know i was always nervous about talk, talking to a large vendor because i didn't want to trigger an audit um are there things we can do here i think there's a number of of sam tools that are already focusing on, on verification whether mm. that you know, oracle is a good example of that that are you know oracle verified if you have a tool that is already has that verification in place, then it's a really good opportunity for you if you've been one of those uh, organizations that look, I buy 2X what I need on Oracle to really say, okay, I can both right-size my environment and get ahead of a potential audit because I now have about the same information as Oracle does for me. So I think that's one strategy. If there is that verification in place, then get it in. But the other one, if there are some vendors that have traditionally been the ones that have sent you a letter, then you should have a risk factor for those vendors and they should be yep. included on, you know, what I see a lot of successful ITAM programs do is they have like this top 10 vendor list is like, these are the top 10 vendors I care about right now in this particular year. And they build plans or roadmaps around those about how they're going to approach them in a particular year. And then if you have somebody that's likes to audit, then you should consider whether or not that that type of, that vendor is going to make it to your top 10 list. And if they aren't, they aren't. But you just kind of keep some parking lot views of what should I do there? And if so, mm -hmm. maybe you want to make sure that you have somebody in your team actively looking at that usage data. Maybe you have somebody who's kind of tasked with, look, these are the type of vendors that I'm weary of. Let's make sure that we're on top of that next year because we do see extra risk and just kind of making that maybe you don't want to make the whole focus of your program, making somebody in your organization responsible for that, you know, for compliance position around them could be a smart uh, tactic to avoid uh, getting surprised by something later. Yeah, it, it, it's certainly things like um, looking back to when you were last audited, audited by them, maybe you've never been audited by them, but you know, for, for some of the larger vendors, if you've not had an, an a compliance engagement of some form in two or three years, well, then you should probably expect one. Um, and so, yeah, once again, it comes back to data and and knowing knowing where you are, and of course, being able to quickly kind of produce an effective license position, um, a compliance position that you, you're kind of reasonably confident about. It doesn't need to be precise and accurate. It needs to be kind of ballpark. Okay, well, 
this one's a greater risk because we're, we're, we're less certain about our compliance position than and also oh by the way they haven't spoken to us for three years um and we're due a, re a big renewal well all those things are risk factors to to to, to take account of but certainly don't let it stop you from having those conversations with those vendors if you are looking to um to um start managing costs for them they're going to be expecting that those conversations they're going to have a playbook and you need to have your playbook ready as well really to to to, to kind of go into that negotiation or to help your procurement team um have that negotiation so um i wanted to really sort of summarize what what we've talked about today um we started off by Kind of talking about the macroeconomic situation, the which is which is a global factor. We've got this global shock of rising interest rates, um, rising prices, falling growth, um, and what we see really is a great opportunity for ITAM teams to really kind of take control of this. If if you're not actively following costs, um, uh, now's the time to step up. If you're not actively in control of, for example, shadow IT or SaaS spend in general. Now's a great time to start taking control of that or at least making a play to understand where where you may be. The beauty of SaaS in particular is you can you can deliver really quick wins. Um, renewals happen regularly, monthly, week, uh, so monthly, quarterly, annually and so on. So your speed of, of action is 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 much better there, I suppose you, you can really kind of do this kind of FinOps approach of sort of crawl, walk, run, start small, do a, you know, address a particular renewal, get a good result out of that, start talking about what you've done. And that really kind of builds momentum behind your whole sort of cost management program. Um, we also mentioned as well that, yes, you need to keep, keep an eye on your, on your day job. You've got things that you have to be doing that you've always done. Uh, you need to make sure that you, you, you're getting through those as well. Um, I, mean, I, I know Becky on that as well. Sort of modern tool sets can quite often help um, around that with you no know, with automation and better insights and and, and 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 better reporting and so on. So really kind of streamline that day job. I think for me, it's just especially the time of the year we're at right now. It's just so critical for our professional development. Hmm. to get alignment on what's important. So yeah. we, you know, as, as folks who who really are looking at the macroeconomic environment, or you think about ITEM all the time, we think a good, important area for you to be growing your career right now is around cost optimization. But yeah. that might not work, as you, AJ said, that may not be right for your day job. But what we really urge you to do leaving this podcast is to have the conversation with your organization saying, look, what are the main areas where ITS management could impact our organization? I've thought of three. You know, I could I could see us in 2023 really helping the organization, partnering with procurement and finance to bring down costs. Another area is really getting ahead of and keeping audits at bay and really having a proactive playbook there. And the other is really supporting in this long tail of technology that maybe procurement finance are looking at, but can help us from a shadow IT as well as a cost perspective and to really rethink governance at that long tail of applications. 
which of these areas are most important to you, manager of mine? Where do you think we could add the most value? And I think having that conversation, forcing the conversation, having your manager say, I don't know, let's think about it. And let's have another meeting and really trying to walk away either by the end of, of the year or by the end of January with a remit about what your objectives are, where they see the growth is really important because for mm-hmm. some reason or the other, a lot of leaders shy away from giving you specific goals, which even at director plus levels, which is really interesting. So it's really important for your growth, for the uh, strength of your program to get down and force a conversation of, hey, here are my goals. You agree with them? Or sometimes the manager's not going to give them to you. So it's really Mm -hmm. important for you to just force somebody to just provide and say, do you agree with these? Because this is the direction I'm taking the program and say yes or no. And if so, just, okay, great. I'm going to run it in. And in regular check-ins, keep that cadence going. Because I find that ITAM programs that do that tend to be stronger than the ones where they just kind of leave it up to the business and don't really have a strong opinion or perspective about what they should be doing. That's really great advice. Yeah, you you do have to be out there and be proactive and self-promotional to a certain extent and success breeds success and so if you're not getting buy-in or you're not really kind of getting any direction well provide the direction go and have that conversation um that will always be a positive outcome um because you're ta- you're showing that you're taking some ownership and certainly we know that we've we've got our data and and, and our tooling as well and our processes to really be able to know that we can deliver on those kind of uh, conversations that you're having. So, 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 so go ahead and do that. Um, we do have um, uh, as well, a really interesting case study um, from Snow, from a, from a Snow uh, customer called Sasol. Um, Sasol, a South African petrochemical um, uh, company operating worldwide, very, very large organization. Uh, a really interesting case study into how they've applied some of these um, techniques to really cut um, software costs and, and, and technology costs in general. Um, so I urge you to have a look at that case study. There's plenty of, um, of good tips in there for how to kind of move forward on this topic. Um, with that, um, thank you, Becky, for your time uh, and, and your insight. It's, it's really interesting to see that kind of um, c-suite perspective as well on on really how we can how we can engage with our c-suite um and um take action on on these areas for cost optimization um it's going to be a very interesting year um plenty of opportunity and i would urge everyone there to really kind of think about what you're going to be doing in 23 and beyond and really kind of make a play for this if we saw with sassel 34 million dollars in savings Mm. that's that's amazing that if yeah. you can be able to come back as, let's say you're new into a role and you can come to an organization and, and bring that, I would always forecast less. That way, when you do more, you do you do better. But still, mm-hmm. it's one of those that that you know that's just incredible for that for that program. And I think for all of us, really earmarking it. You're not going to get a large number like that every year, but really that governance, that processes, so you, uh, is just really critical for organizations. And, and really just that raising your hand to really showcase the value of your program and your intentions will be critical. But thank you again, AJ, for having me here today. I'm really always excited to talk to you. Great. Thank you, Becky.